0: I think they had a good Christmas, Barry. Did you have a good Christmas?
1: <laughs> I did. I had a great Christmas. Are you all kind of feeling the aftermath, though, of going, oh, now we're a little overwhelmed of, yes, all the stuff we have to clean up and put up and get ready <laughs> to get back to work? Yeah. Lots of people on Monday and tomorrow. That's right. So how about yours? I'm working you have to tell the truth <laughs>
0: tell about your Christmas oh yes, um I was actually sick I mean I, I I did everything I could to get through the Christmas Eve service. I was taking everything, so if I was not polite to people, I'm sorry, I was on everything trying to go I was actually watching the playback to it, and I saw me flipping my my lozenge from one side to the other. So it was kind of embarrassing, but I was doing everything I could, but I will say. I think this was my favorite uh, Christmas Eve to mm-hmm. be a part of. I just, I really, I really loved Christmas Eve. I thought it was, it was awesome. a great, it great, great awesome. Christmas Eve. We are so blessed to have, yes. Mm-hmm. It was, <clears throat> that's it. And if you missed it, you can go online and see it. It's still mm-hmm. there. You can watch me flipping my lozenge <laughs> back and forth. But uh, we have such an incredible, incredible tech uh, team that put all this mm-hmm. together to made it all happen—the lights, the cameras, everything, all the different angles it made it mm-hmm. so wonderful. And and uh, they're great. And, and of course, we got the best band you can yeah, have. I mean, we just wonderful. we have we have we had the best band. And then, and then you add strings. I mean, how, you can just <laughs> take it over the top. And it and we great. are we are blessed with. Uh, um, uh, some incredible vocalist and and uh, and and Laney just knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. So it was it was great and above all, they, you know, to me God was glorified mm-hmm. through this whole service. It was an incredible mm-hmm. worship service. It was great. But you know, as we say in in the church world, the weekends keep coming. So here we are again. It doesn't matter how how much you've done or what you've done. There's another weekend on the way, and uh, and I think this is actually kind of the craziest time of the year because it's that time that it's in between Christmas and the New Year. That okay, we finished this, but now we've got to kind to get our life back in order, and you're you're trying to, to get everything back to normal, and then you try to set a new normal, mm-hmm. and people, you know, look at to 2019, I want to set a new normal for my life. Do you do, that?
1: do you do that? I do, and I it's a good time to help me refocus, to evaluate what's gone on the last year, <laughs> what we liked, what we didn't, and how we plan some new things. I I know everybody doesn't like to, but I like goals. That's how I... Flying formation, if I have it kind of written down, and I have some things, so I like to have some things to look forward to, to um, press on to. But we were talking about that's kind of not the new thing. No. What's the new? Remember last year it was the word, like everybody had a word for their year. So
0: what is it this year? <laughs> yeah, the new thing is not setting goals. It's actually the new the new thing is formations that you actually set new formations. And it's actually, I, I like that mm-hmm. better because it's, it's actually, it's, it's biblical. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that it's, it's the, the direction that you yeah. take in life determines your destination. So you can set a whole bunch of goals for yourself, but if you're going in the wrong direction, you're still gonna end up in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying that if you do get your life in the right formation, that actually all the goals that you want, you're gonna achieve those goals. And so that's what we wanted to talk about. We wanted to say, how do we get our life in the right formation? Mm-hmm. How do we make sure that we're going in the right direction, that we're doing what God wants us to do? So as we enter into this new 2019, that we're doing what we need to. And we've been in a series called Unto Us, and we've been looking at Isaiah 9, 6 when it says, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And if you have missed any of the previous weeks, make sure you go to metchurch.com and watch because Bill has been doing such an incredible job of showing you how these characteristics, that when you apply these to your life, when you apply uh, Jesus to your life, they'll change your life. And so make sure you go watch those. But if you go to the very next verse... Very next verse, Isaiah 9, 7, it says, the passionate commitment of the Lord of the heaven's armies will make this happen. And here we are 2,000 years later because God made it happen. And lives are still being changed because of it. And so we're gonna talk about how do we make this happen? How do we get going in the right direction? How do we stay going in the right direction? And the same power that gave us uh, Jesus Christ is going to give us the power to stay on the right track. And to do that, to how we make this happen, we're gonna tell the story of Nehemiah. And if you're not uh, familiar with Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Nehemiah takes place about 444 BC. Um, it takes place um, under the reign of King Artaxerxes I of Persia. Persia was the world dominant power at, at that time. And it's in the city of Susa, which is the Persian capital. And Nehemiah was actually the cupbearer, the wine taster. Uh, for the king at that time. And what his job was, is he would taste the wine before the king drank it to make sure it wasn't poison. Was he great. must have
1: made a lot of money. I'm
0: <laughs> like, who, who does that job, right? <laughs> That's right. Or you'd be a slave and you have to do <laughs> okay, it. Yeah. But anyway, you gotta trust the guy. And we find out that not only did King Andrzejewski trust Nehemiah, but he also considered him uh, a friend. Nehemiah was a Jewish man. We don't know if he ever went to, had been in Israel before. Um, but what we do know is about 100 years earlier, that the Babylonians had come in and conquered Israel. They'd come in and conquer, remember that's the time when the temple was torn down and the wall around the city was torn down. It's when King Nebuchadnezzar um, carted off some people you might've heard of before, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, all these guys were carted off into slavery during this time. Well, in 539 BC, what happens is the Persians come and conquer the Babylonians. So that's how they became in power. And now as we fast forward back to 444 BC, that's where Nehemiah is. He's a slave to uh, King Artazerski. And what we see is God places this burden on Nehemiah's heart. He places his burden on his heart for the people of Israel because God sees they're going in the wrong direction, they're living the wrong way, and their life is miserable. Their life is miserable. So Nehemiah goes to the king and he says, hey, can I have some time off? You know, and that's a big thing because <laughs> slaves don't get time off. But remember, I told you that uh, that he was a friend, and and because I want to go back and help my 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 people in Israel. And the king says, you know what? I'm going to do better than that. I'm going to give you time off, but I'm going to make you the governor of Judea. I'm going to make you like the mayor of Jerusalem. So everybody's got to listen to you. I'm going to give you all of the supplies, all of the money, everything you need to get your people going in the right direction. And so Nehemiah is so excited, and he goes back to. Israel and he takes that journey there and he goes through the city and his heart breaks. His -hmm. heart breaks because Mm -hmm. he's looking at the people and they have no hope. Mm -hmm. They don't see a future. They've given up. Because remember, I told you that the wall was torn down about 100 years earlier. So everybody who was living in the city at that time had never been in a place that actually had a wall. They'd never been in a place that was secure, and they felt that God had turned their back on Him, on them, that, that, uh, that there was just no hope because there was these powerful warlords that lived in the region around Jerusalem, and they would just come in and steal from them. They'd pillage. They'd do whatever they want to the people, so they'd given up. They thought God mm-hmm. had turned their back. Well, Nehemiah comes to this conclusion that if I'm gonna change the direction of these people's lives, I gotta get the wall up. I've gotta get the wall back up It all starts with the wall. And he gives this incredible vision to these people that your life can be changed. We can change the direction of our life if we get this wall up. And for the first time, they're excited. They're excited, we're gonna do something. We're gonna change our life. We're gonna make a difference in our life. And they start building the wall. But you know what happens, and this is kind of like we're starting Mm -hmm. 2019, and we're going to say we're going to do something different. The minute you say I'm going to do something, that I'm going to do what God wants me to do, Satan's going to throw everything at you. Mm -hmm. He's going to throw everything at you, and that's what happened. The surrounding warlords in their area didn't want this to happen. This was going to wreck their economy. They liked being able to go in and take whatever Mm -hmm. they wanted, so they were going to stop it. So they started throwing all these things at the, the Israelites to make him stop. And what you need to realize is that Satan's gonna do the same thing to you as you start this new year saying, I'm gonna go and do what God wants me to do. And so you need to be aware of what Satan's gonna try to do you and what you need to do in the process. And the first thing that he did, Mary, is he talked about discouragement. Mm-hmm. He tried to discourage the people. They started sending spies into the city, telling them that you aren't good enough to build this wall. There's no way you're gonna do it. And even if you get it up, none of you know what you're doing. It's gonna fall down
1: anyway, so you might as well give up. And that's what happens. He does that to us, doesn't he? And it happens to all of us. Everybody in this room has been discouraged by people. Um, You've been discouraged by circumstances, but we hear, sometimes it's ourselves, we hear this voice of, I'm not good enough and, and I can't really do this. And um, we start getting distracted by the problems in our lives and things that take our eyes off of God. Um, and put our eyes on, maybe we think something's too tough that we're going through. And kind of reminds me of Peter. Remember when he was in the boat and Jesus was outside and he, um, the water was clear and he says, hey, you know, I want to come to you. And Jesus says, yes, come. And as soon as he got out on the water, um, the clouds got really dark and the waves lifted up. And just like we, he took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the things around him and he sunk. And that's when, problems happen. So the same thing happens to us. If we listen to the voices around us and we take our eyes off of God and do things um, to try to please the people, Mm -hmm. I'm so impressed by Nehemiah because he didn't. He he was singularly focused on what God had called him to do, and he was not shifting his way. So that's what we have to do. We have to keep our eyes on God and not on the discouragement that's around us.
0: I I love that you brought up that story because, you know, if you, you look at it that Peter had to get out of his comfort zone. It was comfortable on the boat. Mm -hmm. I mean, but now he's stepping onto the water. I mean, and and the fact is he saw Jesus walking on the water and he said, I wanna be where he is. And that's really what I would hope for all of you that you were going, I wanna be where Jesus is. Mm -hmm. I wanna be doing what Jesus is doing. But to do that, I've gotta get out of my comfort zone. I've gotta change and it's discouraging. I mean, to think to take that first step that you're gonna, to get out into that. And then of course, when he did step on there and all of a sudden everything's got kind of crazy and he took his eyes off uh, Jesus and he starts to sink. But what happens? Jesus reaches him and saves him. And that's what you need to understand. God is looking for you to take that first step. And even though it's gonna be rocky, even though that the world's gonna throw things at you to stop you from going down the right road, God's not gonna let you fall. He's not gonna let you sink. All he wants you to do is to take that first step. You take that first step. You don't have to do it. I always think that you overcome discouragement with the courage of God, that I have confidence in God. Even though I might not be able to do it, I know he can. It's Matthew 19. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. So if you tell me, hey, I can't do something, I go, you're right, I can't do it, but I know God can. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing what he's called me to do and he's gonna see me through. That's uh, Philippians 1, 6, where it says that God who began a good work in you It's not your responsibility to finish the work, he's gonna do it. Your responsibility is to keep walking down that right path. And that's what Nehemiah did. They walked down that, they kept going, they kept building the wall, they kept going up. But then in that very next chapter, if you're reading it through uh, Nehemiah five, we see there was another problem that happened. But this problem actually didn't happen from the outside, it happened from the inside. See, what was going on as they were building the wall and they were doing this to make themselves better for themselves, to protect themselves, have a better economy, some of the Jewish uh, people thought, you know what? I can make a buck off of this. And they started actually um, charging the um, other Israelites for different things and tried to make money off of each other. Well, then they all started fighting with each other. And there was all this infighting going on and the building the wall stopped. It stopped because of division. And that's the second thing that's gonna happen, is that when you've got a plan that you're trying to go and you're gonna to try to live um, and walk down the path that God has for you, Satan's gonna send people in your life to try to get you going in a different direction. He's gonna do something to cause division.
1: Yeah, we all have division in our lives and things that pull us from God. Sometimes it's people like His, sometimes it's circumstances. There's some different things that happen in our lives. I love this verse in Isaiah 59 too. it says, it's because your sins that you have cut, your sins that have cut you off from God Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. So before we were believers, our sin is what separated us from God, right? Once we become believers, we accept Jesus as our Savior. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. Now we have a different DNA, and our sins don't keep us from God anymore. But what I've seen in ministry after a while is people keep replaying that sin in their head and the things that they've been involved in to distance them from God or feel they're not good enough. Um, to be what God wants them to be, to hear his calling. Um, We started some leadership groups this last summer. And what we did is we started these groups and we asked um, these people to commit to a year. So to be a part of this group, you have to commit to, you're gonna read a book a month, you're gonna memorize a verse a month, um, you're gonna meet for three or four hours with this group that's gonna hold you accountable and you're gonna go through some really tough things. So we started these groups and we've had a great time. And one of the books we read a few months ago was The Cure. And we are encouraging everyone at the Met um, to read this book. I was saying last service, it was so funny. Rob was ahead of me. Oh, look, they got the book. (laughs) That's new. That's new. (laughs) Squirrel. Tech people amaze (laughs) us every service. Um, But this is it, and it's by um, a group of guys. And Rob was reading before me. He'd go, have you read this? I'm like, quit ruining it. I'm not there yet. (laughs) Um, But I want to read you a quote um, on page 40 that talks about... How we're different um, once we become a believer in Christ. And it says, um, God has given us the DNA of righteousness. We are saints. Nothing we do will make us more righteous than we already are. And nothing we do will alter this reality. So there's nothing great you can do that's gonna make you better than righteous. And there's no sin you're gonna commit that's gonna erase the righteousness because you have the Holy Spirit in you now, Um, basically, is what he is saying. And he says, um, God knows our DNA. He knows that we are Christ in me. And now he is asking us to join him in what he knows is true. So this book is kind of an allegory and it talks about that we have these two rooms or these two paths that we can live our life. One is um, the path of best intention. So what we do is we are continually trying to make up for the sins that we commit, put this facade on, this mask, and we pretend like we are something that we're not because we think if people really knew who we were, then they wouldn't like us, including God, right? So, And then the other one is um, the room of grace, where we admit, okay, I messed up. I'm sorry I messed up, Lord. I know that you are seeing the DNA of Jesus. You've already forgiven my sins, past, present, and future. And I can be all that you've called me to live. Because what happens when you—Bill's talked about this a ton, and he came out of a— a little bit of this legalism that all it does is create people who are fake people and who aren't who they are. And they continue um, to not really live close to God because this falseness um, continues to separate them. Or you can live in a life of grace and know what God's done for you and then be all that God wants you to be and there is a new freedom there. So I have a group of eight ladies that I'm entering. We, we discuss, we talk about this book. Everybody writes a book report. They share the most important things to them. And everyone said, I did not know this. I thought that my sins were continually keeping God kind of mad at me. You know. And maybe it was one girl said that her mom would say, you know, God's really disappointed in you that you went out and did this last night, or you lied and you're, we caught you, God's really disappointed in you. So they kind of had lies that were taught to them that they've continued into their adulthood today. So this was really new, new information for me because I hadn't really looked at it this way. I just always thought I was a sinner trying to do the best that I could. But what we, we learned in Scriptural is You can never do enough. That's what the Old Testament was. Um, The Old Testament was to show us the laws and legalism and that we couldn't do it, so we need Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, So now we know that we are a sinner, yes, but we are saints. We have the DNA of Jesus in us. So now God sees us through that lens, and we're totally forgiven and free. And that is a different way to live your life. Mm -hmm. So it's super exciting. Yes, being on the same page with God of realizing, like I said, I think what is the the book
0: says, seeing God the way He truly is and yourself?
1: Yes. And that with the whole. Yes.
0: But what you have to understand with division division is actually just two visions. That's what it's talking about, it's having two visions. And when you go to the book, it talks about how believers can have this division even amongst their own beliefs because there's two roads you can take in life. You can take the, the, the life of pleasing God or the road of trusting God. And I, when I first read that book, I started going, <laughs> isn't it the same road? You know, I'm thinking, I'm pleasing God, trusting God, isn't it the same road that you would go down? But when you go down this idea of pleasing God is, is realizing there's nothing you can do Mm-hmm. to please him, that you're gonna end up disappointing, disappointing just a we because we're, we're, we, we just, we're sinners in, in the fact that we have sin in us and we do this so we're gonna always feel like we're disappointing God mm-hmm. and it gets us to a point that we stop doing anything for God because we don't think we can and this is what was happening with the, the Israelites. They were doing something to stop what God had called them to do. And that's why the whole idea is is going down that road of trusting God, of realizing God knows you're gonna make mistakes from now and then. He just says, get up and keep going
1: down the road. Don't stop, keep trusting me, keep going. And that's what we want for our church. Yes, We want to have a church where people are engaged in being what God wants them to be. So our challenge for you, you have a challenge, it's New Year's Day as it's approaching. We want everybody to read this book. We would love for our whole church to read it, and you can write a book report if you want, if that's your thing, um, I would love to read it. Or you can message me or Robin, just say what you thought about it, and, and your new vision uh, that God's given you to help you see who you are, but for it to not hold you back anymore, but to see it as your circuit. This is the, the thing I heard a lot of. Oh, now I see what I went through, God's going to use it on the next side. Instead of me pretending like it didn't happen and um, just kind of pushing it down, now I'm just going to say, okay, God, you're going to use this in my life for me to be able to help somebody else. And that's what we want the people of our church to do. We do. And you're also, there's going to be times that
0: you're going to have people that aren't going to like the fact that you are now trying to live more for God. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be aware of those things. And, 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 and and sometimes you're going to have to let some people go. We've had to do this with, with our church. I mean, mm-hmm. we have a very specific uh, vision. Uh, God has given Bill a vision, and it's our job on staff is to make sure that we're carrying out that vision. And there's been a lot of times through the years that people have gone in to change his vision. Mm-hmm. And we want to be a church that if you're not uh, regular in church or maybe you've got hurt in church or maybe you've never really been in church, we want you to feel welcome here because we want you to hear the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And, and we wanna have people in this church that buy that vision because we need mature Christians to help them get down the right path and get going. We also wanna be a church that reaches outside these walls and, and helps people that are less fortunate than us. But we've had people that have come into our church that want us to be a little bit more legalistic and a little bit harder and do this, and it, it hadn't been who we are. So we've had to take on the, the Titus 3, uh, 10 thing, which is that we warn them once, we warn them twice, and then we let them go. Mm-hmm. And some of you, if you're gonna go down the path that you need to go in, in uh, with God, there's some people in your life you're gonna have to let go. If you've got people in your life that are causing you to go away from God, away from the things that God is trying to do, they've got more power over you than you have over them. And you need to let them go because you're only gonna end up in the wrong place. And it's when you get on the same page with God and you trust God and you keep going down the path that you're gonna to get to where you want to. And that's what happens with, with the Israelites. They, they ended up going together and said, no, we know what we wanna do. This is the road we wanna go down. This is what we wanna do. We're gonna build a wall so we're gonna put everything else aside and we're gonna have this one vision of getting this done and they start building the wall. And it gets higher and higher and higher and it's almost complete but the enemy wasn't done. The enemy wasn't done. And they used what I think is probably the most powerful um, thing to stop people from doing it. It's something that all of us get caught up in more than anything else. They used distraction. Mm-hmm. They tried to stop them from doing that. They kinda done done the Satan thing, they dangle something else in front of you to get you off. As I was saying early, squirrel, I just (laughs) kinda changed my mind, you know what I mean? Oh, that's different, Mm -hmm. just to get you going. And I think that stops more Christians from living the life more than anything else is distraction.
1: Yeah, and I think distraction's probably one of the hardest things for me, um, because it's easy for me, I'm a little ADD, so it's easy for me to to quit focusing, you know, I'm going to get up. Okay, Lord, every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend 30 minutes with you in my quiet time. And, and then my phone starts going off. How about you? All the notifications that are coming in of mm-hmm. who all needs you. So I really, I've done a new thing. I did this yesterday is I turned off all the notifications for Facebook, for all the social media, for Nextdoor, for everything that they're, all the shopping thing. You know, like if you, if you like somebody now, it shows you what they're selling on all of the the trade sites. So I can be on my computer even when I'm at work and all these things are flashing across that banner up at the top. All you have to do is go to notifications, hit on that and just turn it off. You can go look at it anytime you want, but it's not something... And they, they call that hacking, you know, that you can't try to group things together and do them all at one time. You can go look at all of those things all at one time, and you didn't distract yourself from being productive and getting something done. Because there's some statistics on this. When you take your mind off of something, how long it takes you to get back to the deep place that you were. So sometimes we have to be just smart and just plain simple, but sometimes it's people. Um, sometimes. Somebody didn't prepare how they should have prepared. Have you had kids who have done that? Oh, I didn't know. It's 10 o'clock. I have a project that's due. Oh, we got to go buy all this stuff. And maybe you had some stuff that you were going to do and now you're staying up all night. So it's kind of taking you off of your game. And so sometimes it's comforting for us to be somebody's savior and to come in and totally bail them out and fix everything. But if you have kids, I'm going to tell you, parents, please let your kids fail. They're not, it's small right now. The things that you think that it's important to them, for them to learn that they forgot something, oh, I'm sorry, I guess you don't get to go to practice today, or, or some of those things, just let them fail. Because when we fail, how about you? When I fail, I am on it, now I understand what I did. I'm not gonna make that same mistake again. But if somebody keeps fixing it for me, it's not as crucial. So sometimes the people in our lives just want us to make life easier for them. And um, it can be a friend, it could be a whole lot of different things. So it's really important for us. To stay focused, one of my favorite guys on the planet, his name um, is Bob Goff, and he's written a great book called Love Does and Love Everybody Always, and he's an attorney, and he owns a whole um, law firm. He has several nonprofits. He's crazy ADD, and he talks about how he keeps himself focused. He's really funny too, but he talks about um, every Thursday he quits something. Every Thursday. He said he's quit his job, but he owns the firm, so they don't take his resignation. (laughs) But he quits something, and he sees if somebody else steps up to do it, because sometimes we're doing things that somebody else can do and probably do it better than us because they're passionate about it. And we just do it because we've done it for a long time, um, and that's the way that they're, you know, we wanna do it. So um, he says on Monday, if he misses it and he really wants to do it, he just signs back up, and, and it's okay, so I think for us, you figure out what it is for you to keep yourself focused. What's gonna keep you in the lane? Of being what God wants you to be, and, and staying focused, especially in 2019, get a clean slate. You get to start over. That's the great thing about it. So, maybe you don't want to sit down and write down the goals, but you have some specific things that you're going to do that are going to take you to where you want to go. Well, that's it. And, uh, Nehemiah actually gives us a clue of how to overcome distraction, and this
0: is what he says in Nehemiah 6. He says, "When the word." came to Sambalat, and he's the leader of all the warlords in that surrounding area around Jerusalem Tobiah Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates Sambalat and Geshem sent a message to me and saying come let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono now take a note of this Okay, This is Nehemiah 6. Because this is something all of you need to, to put there and put that in the back of your mind. That when you have something that you're planning on doing that God has called you to do, and then all of a sudden you start getting these little distractions, there's people that come into your life that have never supported you, that want time with you, that you know, kind of want to talk to you and do all this. The first thing that needs to come to your mind is, oh no.
1: Oh no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no.
0: No, no, you gotta let this go. Because what they're trying to do is distract you to get you from doing what God has called you to do. And, and, and Nehemiah knew exactly that, and this is what he said. He said, but they were scheming to harm me. See, they didn't wanna help me finish this wall. They wanted, to, they wanted to, to end what was going on. And they thought if they killed Nehemiah, then the rest of the people would give up. So they went after him. They tried to distract him to get him off the wall. And what he said to them, he says, I'm carrying out a great project and I can't come down. That's the key to overcoming every distraction in your life, saying, I'm doing what God wants me to do, and I'm not letting anything or anybody stop me from doing it. See, what happens in your life, and this is what Satan will do, he'll put good things in your life to stop you from doing the great things that God wants you to do. He's going to distract you with all these little things. See, he might all of a sudden give your your kids a a little bit of talent in something and all of a sudden they're doing all of these extracurricular activities and doing all of these great things and and you're thinking your kids are doing really great and all of a sudden you find out that, you know what? They don't go to church anymore. They're no longer in the youth group anymore. They no longer have this circle here that's supporting them because everything is in all these ECAs. See, that's the distraction to get you from going from this road. See, it takes hard, parents have to work hard to let their kids do what they do and keep them grounded in the church as well. But parents, that's your job to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing that as you kind of move up that corporate ladder and you start having more and more money and all of a sudden you you can take more vacations and, and you can buy extra houses and do all this kind of stuff and then all of a sudden you look and you go, you know, I used to serve in the church, I used to be in a group with the church, I used to do all the mission stuff and help this and I don't do this anymore. That's a distraction that got you off. See, having blessings and having abilities doesn't mean you can't take advantage of all this, but you've gotta make sure, has it distracted me from doing what God has called me to do? Because that's the whole thing. The wall was almost up. The mall was almost up, but they thought, if I can stop him, we can do something to tear it back down. And that's what you have gotta look at as far as in your life. Don't let those distractions move you off the path that God wants you to go down so that he gets you to the the wrong destination. So we got three quick things of how to make sure that you don't let these things throw you off. And the first thing you've got to do is you gotta change your perception.
1: Yeah, and perception is the ability for us to see um, two things at the same time. So I recently, last week, I went to the eye doctor. Have you all done this? And you sit in front of that thing, and they clear it up, and then they go, one, two, which one's better, two or one? And I'm like, they're all about the same. But the eye doctor was telling me, what it is, is he said, I'm teaching, he said, because both of your vision and your eyes are different, so I'm trying to get you to see the same thing and it all to be in focus which is a little bit what we're talking about with um, perception. So in Romans 12, 2, Paul's talking about renewing our minds so we're able to see what's temporary and what is actually eternal. So I have verse for you, 2 Corinthians 4:8 says, "'Therefore we do not lose heart, "'so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, "'but what is unseen. "'For what is seen is the temporary "'and what is unseen is the eternal.'" So, hopefully, we can be able to look at it to say, okay, this is what's going on on the earth. I I see that I'm in this health crisis, financial crisis, whatever it might be. Um, I see what this is here, but I also see that I know God is a good God and I know God's never going to leave me or fail me and that something good is going to come out of this. So, we have to learn to stretch that muscle. Some of us were just more positive. my husband says he's more of a realist. I said that's what all negative people say, um, but um, we laugh about that. Some of us—it's just our personality. We just see it. We—it's the truth. We just see it. But some of us—we got to exercise that muscle and know. Um, what God's Word says, and continue. I was listening to some of the words today when you guys were singing of, Yes, yeah, sometimes we just need to put on some worship music mm-hmm. and just let that be the thing that goes forward in our head to keep reminding us what God's Word says. I am, you know, so you, y'all Child were singing God, about, yeah. you know, I am forgiven, you know, yeah. not forsaken, all yeah. of those things. You know, I am who He says I am. Yes, I am. I don't have to listen, you know, to what the voices are What's saying around saying?
0: us. That's a good, you know, the Romans 12 is the trans... Uh, forming of your mind mm-hmm. to see everything more clearly as far as doing it. That's the formations of the, mm-hmm. the going that, that it starts mm-hmm. with going into different mm-hmm. directions. It's different, yep. different yep. thinking. And what's so interesting, if you read the Nehemiah and Nehemiah six twelve, it actually says that when they sent these people to distract him, to try to get them off the wall, Nehemiah said, I saw mm-hmm. that they weren't from God. Mm. And Every day when I get up in my prayer time and I do this, I always pray, God, help me to see as you see, do as you do, and say as you say. Because I'm gonna face a lot of different decisions in life. I'm gonna see a lot of things throughout the day that I'm gonna do what I wanna do. But see, I wanna make sure I stay on your road, so help me to see it the way you mm-hmm. see it. And when you see the way God sees, He helps keep you on that road doing what what God has called you to do because there's gonna be a lot of distractions. There's gonna be a lot of things that are tried to pull you off. But you've gotta say, no, I wanna do whatever I can to stay on the road that you have for me doing what you want me to do because I know that's best. Mm-hmm. Second thing is probably the hardest one that we gotta um, check our priorities.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think... We all have different priorities. We all have different strains on our life, gifts on our lives, we all have different things. But I'm hoping, um, as you're making for 2019 right now, that you're gonna be thinking, okay, one of my top priorities is God. Mm -hmm. And you decide what that is for you. What can you do um, to increase your faith, to grow in your relationship with God? There's some things that you can definitely do. Um, There's a philosopher, and I was just reading something, his name, I moved all my notes around, but he he's talks about, oh, here it is, Jim Rohn, that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting, isn't it? Because. Do you hear their voices in your head? I still hear my mom and dad's voices in my heads. Do you guys about things? It's because we heard it for so much. So we need to be sure we have put people around us that are saying things that are gonna point us to God and not away from him. Mm -hmm. We need to be sure that those people. So if you are not in a group right now, that's gonna be my top thing for you. I would love for you to take Rooted. Um, Our new class is starting up kind of towards the end of January. It's going to be on Sunday night, and it's a 10-week class that talks, can take you through some discipleship foundational truths about God. Um, The Trinity, how does all of that work? How do I actually pray? Um, Does God hear me? Why does God allow suffering in this world? I don't get this. Um, Explain to me, um, why does God want us to be generous? Why do we need to serve all of those things? And you're going to do life with these people for about 10 weeks. And then your group's gonna go on to be a life group or join another life group or you're gonna have people that are your people now. And mm-hmm. um, you're gonna meet with them a couple of times a month or once a month that are gonna know you, know you well, that are gonna call you. Um, you may um, have encouragement, you may need challenging, whatever it is for your family because it's not if, it is when you go through something rough. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing this a long time and it's it's coming for your life. There's gonna be a death, there's gonna be some complications with health, with your marriage, with your kids. There's going to be something in your life and you are gonna be, it happens all the time. Um, I love that people come back to church right. when something's going on because we get it a lot. But by the time you are in crisis mode and the bags are packed and someone has left from your marriage, it's a hard road to get them back. Right. So. I always say, oh, I wish you would have been in something that somebody could have been you know, with you guys along the way. It's really the best, it's the best thing for you. So I hope that's a top priority it for is. you. And, that, and this is so important. If you're ever gonna make sure you're going down the right
0: road and doing what you want, you've gotta make sure these are in order. Paul was talking about this in uh, 1 Corinthians six twelve when he said that everything to me is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And that's why it's getting the right thing. It might feel okay, it might be okay, but if it's not getting you to where you want you to go, then it, what it's not benefiting anybody. You gotta get it in the right order. And, and God said, put me first. Matthew 6, 633 when he said, seek ye first the kingdom, put, put God first. Everything else will get into order. That's the key, that when you put God first in every aspect mm-hmm. of your life, you trust him over everything else. He takes care of everything else. Everything else comes into order. Mm-hmm. And then finally, You have to commit. You got to commit to your uh, plan.
1: Yes, and commitment isn't, I'm going to start this January 1st, and if I feel like keeping it up, I'm going to do it. Committing is you literally seeking God. You're asking what you want Him to do for this year, and you're going to start writing some things down. You're going to make a plan. You're going to have somebody that you love and that loves you that's going to hold you accountable, that maybe it's working out. We all know. Um, we were talking about what the gyms all say, everybody's there like the first month of January and then it's open again, you can go anytime you wanna go. <laughs> so it's the same with your spiritual life. You have, to, um, you have to work at it. I wish I could say it's easy. It's not easy for any of us, it's a discipline. It's something that you have to commit to and that you have to work at. So what is that for you this year? Because I wanna challenge you to dig deep and do something big, do something big for God. Don't just say, I'm going to do what I've been doing last year. Say, man, I want to, maybe it's read a book a month. Maybe it's memorize a verse a month. I, for me and Derek, because it's hard. I hate to say this. The older you get, the harder it is to memorize. Young kids do it all now. I remember things from then. So I write our memory verse on, the mem- on our mirrors with an Expo marker because it helps us. You walk in, you see it. Oh, yeah, I'd say it a few times. Do some things that are going to help you grow in your relationship with God, and it's going to be hard. Because that's what great things are. Great things are hard, and they call, they ask us to sacrifice, to sacrifice our time, to sacrifice sleep, to sacrifice money. Um, if it's worth anything, you guys know this. It's just worth. It's worth sacrificing. So, I I don't know what it is for you, but you know what it is because it's that lingering thing that you've been thinking about that God keeps reminding you of, um, something He wants you to do. And maybe it's in the church, maybe it's at work, maybe it's in your neighborhood. Whatever it is, it's gonna be something um, that's gonna draw people to God in the end. So a few years ago, I did this, actually 15 years ago. At that time, I was flying for Delta, I was a flight attendant and um, our kids were in elementary school and middle school and um, I was volunteering at the church a lot, but my my job had allowed me to do that and um, we were living the great life. Um, Everything was flexible. Um, Really, I loved where I was. I loved traveling. I loved the capability of our family to travel. There was a whole lot of things that we were getting to do, and I loved um, volunteering at the church, and I had started women's ministry and was doing a whole lot of things, but I kept hearing this thing of, I want you to do more. I want you to give up some things for me and do more for me. I didn't know what that was because we don't always hear the audible voice. It was just this nagging feeling of, I felt really good when I was here, and I loved it, and I loved taking people on a journey and seeing them grow in their faith, who I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So um, seeing people get it, oh, oh, we're supposed to read the Bible and have a relationship. I didn't get this. So I loved all that part. So um, I went up and talked to Pastor Bill and was telling them what I was thinking, and I was thinking God was calling me to go to seminary, and where that came from, nobody in my family had been to seminary, I don't know. Bill was the only person I knew who had been to seminary, so I went and talked to him, I said, I just feel like I need to, to know more, and I need to do this, and I, I think I'm gonna quit my job. Um, you know, Derek was on board, and the kids were on board, and um, going back to seminary is not an easy task, and it was three, I'm gonna be honest, it was three tough years, I didn't watch TV, um, I missed all of that, lost all of those series that were going on at that time. I didn't watch any um, because I was memorizing passages and um, having to write papers and, and do a whole lot of, of tough things. But when God puts the calling on your life and he's going to help you through the difficult parts. So we did, and then Bill asked me to come on staff. And um, at that time, Jessie, I see Jessie over there. She had been the children's pastor, but there had been nobody that was an adult pastor that had been a woman before. And so Bill and I talked a lot about that and it was a big deal. Now y'all, this is actually, by the time I finished, this was probably 12 years ago. If, if you've been here a while and you've been in the church for a while and in the church world, it's not uncommon now. But back then it was really uncommon. Nobody was doing it. I knew. Um, a girl in Irving, and I knew a girl in Dallas that had pastor behind their name that were on the adult side, and that was it. I didn't know anybody else in our area. Up north, there were some, but in the Bible Belt, it wasn't so common. And um, Bill said, Mary, I, it's biblical, we're doing it. I don't care what people are saying. And I wanna tell you, he is the reason that I'm here. And I want you to be very proud of him. It's gonna make me cry because it was a big stand and we lost people. And y'all are here today, don't know about that, but when a girl gets up on a stage, people would walk out and say, that's not supposed to happen. So it was tough and there was a lot of discouragement. And there was a lot of people and naysayers saying, you can't do this, you weren't raised in church, you can't do this. And that's one of the reasons I went to seminary, because I knew as a woman I was gonna need this now so much. It's not so much anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Your experience can be it, but I knew I was gonna have to have this to be able to forge. Um, Not very long ago, I saw Skylar um, last night. um, She came and hugged me. And um, some of you guys know Jennifer Stewart and her daughter. um, She came and sent me a picture and said, Skylar was going to school and it was career day. And Skylar said, I wanna be a Jesus teller like Pastor Mary. And she took her picture and she curled her hair and she wore her boots and had a dress on. And <laughs> it was so funny, but it was like God telling me, see, I told you. Girls are gonna have to see this to dream it. You're going to have to step out and do the tough thing so other people will be able to come behind you. So I say that to you to say, I don't know what it is, but I know you're afraid. But I promise you, if God has called you to do it, He's gonna carry you through it. And when you get past it, you're gonna to get to see the great things that He's done, not because you did it, because you were His vehicle. He's just calling you, and then He's gonna work through you and do some great things. So, commit to your plan, and you commit to do it in 2019. It. If you ever doubted God's commitment to you, just realize that
0: He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. God is committed to seeing you through. It's you, are you committed to what God wants you to do? And we see in the the story of Nehemiah that they were ended up being committed and this is what happens. It says, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. They built the wall around the entire city of Jerusalem in 52 days when all of our enemies heard about this and all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. God is committed to you. Are you committed to him? As you start 2019, are you committed to take those steps and go down the direction that he's asked you? I know that everybody's gonna say, yeah, you know, you can listen to this one, you can listen to this verse, you know, pick and choose. No. Are you committed to living a life of obedience? Because God's committed to you. And he's not telling you this that you're gonna disappoint him, that if you don't do it, he's disappointed for you because he died so you'd have the best life. And start 2019 with the best life and said, I'm gonna do it your way. I'm gonna go down the road that you want. That's how you can make it happen in your life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for never giving up on us. That through all of our distractions and, and through all of our, our infighting and division and wanting to do things our way, through, through all of our discouragement and, and, and feeling like we can't get it done, you've always been the support. You've always been the encourager. You've always been the one there to give us whatever we need to get through whatever we face. And God, we thank you for being there. And we just ask you, you give us the courage to take these steps of faith, to go, we're going to do it your way. 2019, we're going to follow your way. We're going to serve more. We're going to, we're going to our Bibles more. We're going to read and, and uh, we're going to pray more because we know that when we put you first, when we trust you first, that everything's going to work out. So God, help us to make that step. Because when we make that step, not only do we change our lives, we change the lives of everybody that we come in contact with. And God, that's what we're here to do. We know that you've called us to be a light and we wanna be that light. And we need to shine that light walking down the path that you have for us. So give us the courage to take those steps of faith as we start this brand new year. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Again, thank you so much for being here. We've got some prayer people up here. If you wanna pray with somebody, you've got something you want them to pray with you about, they'll do that. And before you go, I have one thing to say. It's my favorite thing to do at this time every year. I'll see everybody next year.
1: Bye-bye. Take care. Happy New Year. See you next weekend. Thank you so much for tuning
0: in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.